upbeat. You know, that's all I could say. We're upbeat. And, and uh, you know, depending on your background, we're, we would, you know, whatever. But, but, uh, but these guys, they, they got pretty wild and, and sometimes out of control. And, and we believe in being wild. We believe in upbeat. We believe in passion. But it has to actually be of the spirit. And it can't be us manufacturing or conjuring up some experience especially to make ourselves look cool or to look super spiritual. And that's when you start getting into some weird things. Now, I've been into, I've, hey, I've been in a lot of church services in 36 years. I feel like I was just straight up born into a church. Like, boom, I've, I've been, at one point, our church in Indiana, we had five services a week, every week, for years. I mean, we had three Sunday services and two Wednesday services, special meetings in between. One time we had church every day for 63 straight days. I've been in church a few times. I went you know, in Bible college out here. Been to a lot of church, and so have you. And so I've seen a few weird things. And I've seen a lot of really, really awesome and good things. And so it comes down to my heart's desire is, Lord, I want genuine experiences with you. I want to ex- genuinely experience your presence. And I don't want to fake anything, and I don't want to make anything up. I want a move of God in Barstow that would rock Southern California to the core. I want it to be of God. I don't want it to be something that I made up. And so let's dig in here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Now we're going to read almost every verse in the chapter, but for the sake of time, um, we won't read every single one. Starting at verse 1. He says, let love be your highest goal. He's repeated that like 10 times now. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. That's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Remember, I told you, that is our New Testament definition of prophecy. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire churches. And so, let's let's break some of this down. In a church service... A prophecy, yeah, that's going to bless more people than even speaking in tongues because uh, you understand what I'm saying, right? And I get up, and, and, and what is a person who prophesies doing? They're strengthening others, encouraging them, and comforting them. And so if it doesn't meet that criteria... Uh, then I don't know that it's New Testament prophecy. And so I see a lot of people, man, I'm a prophet. I just want you to know doom and gloom, shame and ashes all over you, man. You are going down and it's going to be ugly. That's my prophecy. Wait, whoa, that wasn't very encouraging. That was, I, I, I feel awful after that. It's supposed to encourage, comfort, and exhort. And, of course, if you had a word of knowledge... People get these confused, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and prophecy. Word of knowledge, you could say, man, the Lord's showing me some danger up the road for you. I just want to let you know what God's showing me so you can maybe, you know, make some changes and avoid it. Hey, I'll, I'll, yeah, I get that. Thank you. But to just come up and, and absolutely trash somebody and, yeah, that's my prophecy for you. Well, that's not uh, what the New Testament would call strengthening, encouraging, and comforting others. And so some people are like, I've never been used in prophecy. You probably haven't, didn't even know it. 
has God given you some, you know, go talk to Irma today and tell her that, you know, the Lord just wants me to tell you this, this, and this. And if it's strengthening, encouraging, and, pro- and, and, and exhorting, and comforting her, then, hey, that could be a word of prophecy for her. Amen? And so maybe you've been used and you didn't even know it. Now, verse 4 to me is a powerful verse. I love verse 4 um, because it, it points out something extremely important about tongues. When someone speaks in tongues, they are personally strengthened. Now, again, uh, when I prophesy to the whole church, I bless everybody. But you cannot change the fact that it tells us right here that somebody who speaks in tongues does personally strengthen themselves. Now, the King James Version says edifieth, or they edify themselves. Now, this Greek word here is oikodomeho. Can you say that again? No, I cannot, but it's okay because I don't, I don't pretend to be Greek. But, but this word, the most common similar English phrase or word that we would have is to charge up. Somebody that prays in tongues and speaks in tongues, they literally charge themselves up in the spirit. And I'm like, you don't believe me? Hey, you're too late to tell me that ain't true. Because, buddy, when I have some time praying in the spirit and getting fired up, I come out of that room like I just drank five Red Bulls and I'm ready to take on the world. Pastor Dave, you're scared us. Well, I'm just saying, it charges you up. And it's incredible. And I, I, I know a man that has a Ph.D. in original Greek, so the man knows the New Testament better than anybody that I know, period. And anyway, uh, he says the NLT is the most accurate New Living or the most accurate New Testament translation that he knows of. But he said that this word, really what he could compare it to in modern English would be like when you charge up a car battery, right? You know, when you, when you just put the chargers on there and let it charge for a while, as you're praying in the spirit, that begins to just charge you up. Now that's awesome and you need it, but at the same time, at a church service, it's not all about you. <laughs> We're there to bless and strengthen other people. So let's look at, uh, let's go to verses 10 through 12. 10 through 12. Are you with me tonight? All right, amen. I'm having a good time even if you're not, man. I'm, I'm going to go back on YouTube and watch this thing again. All right, look at verses 10 through 12. And so Paul says, There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities or the gifts the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Now, Paul doesn't condemn them for desiring the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't put them down for wanting to flow and have a move of God. He just tells them to seek the gifts and to seek the experiences that are going to strengthen others. The gifts of the Spirit are not to make you look cool. They're to strengthen other believers and bless them and help them out. And so uh, it's just it's so important for us to get that, that when we flow in the gifts of the Spirit, we should desire the gifts of the Spirit, right? We've seen that there's nine of them listed back there. And we should desire to flow in these gifts of the Spirit, but it should come from a heart of God. I want to be used by you. I want to be able to help other people out and bless them. It shouldn't be like, man, boy, 
dude, what? If I had a gnarly word of knowledge, I'll bet I could impress that girl over there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if I had, if I had an awesome experience, if I just gave this, woo, I'll bet everybody would think that I was super spiritual. That is the wrong motivation for wanting to be used by God. Our motive for, and I tell our leaders this, I tell our workers this, our motive for serving God is to bring glory to Jesus and to bless the people of Barstow and High Desert Word Center. If you've got some other thing on your mind when it comes to wanting to preach or sing or something else, then this ain't the you. You've got a wrong motive for it. We're here to bring glory to Jesus and bless other people. If you're just looking for a platform for yourself, then you can get into some other thing, but serving in church ain't it. That went over really well. Let's keep moving on here. Amen. Let's look at verse 15. Well, then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be given thanks very well but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I mean, that that's not that confusing to me. Think about it. What if you came into church and the worship team's up there and they open up with a good old song in, you know, in, in Chinese? I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive, but I I gotta be honest, it's not really doing anything for me. I I don't I don't get it. And or, or you know, I, I get up here and, and it's it's time for the word, and you're like, Man, I need a word from God tonight, and I just delivered a whole sermon in Russian or something like that, and you're like Oh, well, oh, that's, I mean, that's kind of neat that he can do that, but I, I didn't get anything out of it at all. Well, that's what Paul's saying. If I got up here and gave the whole sermon tonight in other tongues, I mean, praise God. But you didn't get anything out of it unless somebody interpreted it. And so what's Paul's solution? He's like, hey, I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to pray in my understanding. I'm going to sing in the spirit and I'm going to sing in my own understanding. It's the best of both worlds. I'm going to do both. And so that's what I that's what I do in my life, man, especially at home. I'm praying in the spirit. And we're going to see a very important truth here in these next few verses. So Paul's getting ready to lay a major theological doctrinal truth right here that this right here is where I get questions. This is where people under every membership class I do every time, every membership class I get Uh, questions on this specific topic. And so I think it's great for us to understand this. So let's look at this. Look at verse 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. So is Paul against speaking in tongues? Certainly not. He does it more than any of them, and they did it a lot. But look here at verse 19. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language or an unknown tongue. And so what did Paul just do right here? He pointed out and, 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 and made the difference and divided and laid it out that there's very obviously public tongues, the gift of tongues, which is one of the nine gifts, and then there's your private prayer time, private prayer language. Now, where people get these confused, because as we'll see, it says don't get up in front of the church and speak in tongues unless there's someone there to interpret. And so what I hear people be like is, huh, you're over there in the corners praying in tongues. There's no one interpreting. Huh, what about that? Well, I wasn't doing it to give a message to the whole church. I was just praying to heaven. And so there is the gift of praying in tongues between me and God. I'm not doing it 
to give a message to you. I'm praying. And then there's a public gift of tongues where maybe somebody will get up and start praying in tongues in the microphone. And what they're doing is they have what we would call a word in tongues that is meant for everybody to hear. But then we need somebody to flow in that other gift of the spirit called the interpretation of tongues. And so what happens is people get these two confused and say, yeah, you're praying in tongues at home all day, but you never interpret it, do you? That's not a public church service. That's me praying. And in fact, Paul and Paul very clearly made this distinction. He said, I pray in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting. I'd rather give five understandable words than 10,000 in tongues. There's a difference. A public word in tongues and me praying in the spirit to heaven is not the exact same thing. And if you aren't understanding that, then... You know, I bless you in the name of Jesus. But we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you being able to pray in, the, pray in the Spirit, you and God, I believe that's available to all Christians. In fact, on the day of Pentecost when Peter delivered the very first sermon in the history of the Christian church, all these people are praying in tongues and Peter gets up there and gives this big long sermon and he goes on and on. 3,000 people get saved, but he said, this gift of the Holy Spirit is for you here and for all who are afar off, anyone that would believe, even the Gentiles. And so Peter says, this gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's for anybody that wants it. But the gift of tongues out of the nine gifts in the public church service That is only for whom the Lord chooses to give that gift to. All the nine gifts. You can't just choose. And in fact, uh, as it said there, when we studied that a few weeks ago, chapter 12, it says, The Spirit uh, delivers these to whom as He wills. So I can't just choose like, man, I really, golly, I sure want to have a word of wisdom today. Man, okay, I'm going to make one. No, it's as the Spirit wills. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being able to pray in tongues, I believe Peter outlined that in Acts chapter 2 and 3, that that is for any Christian that wants it. The gift of giving a public word in tongues, uh, that is as the Holy Spirit chooses to give you that gift. You can't just choose that one. All right? You look confused. Are we good? (laughs) So, so, um, is it wrong to pray in tongues at church? If there's no interpretation, I don't believe it's wrong for us in a prayer meeting or in a church service when we, when it, when it is known that I'm not trying to deliver a message to you. I'm just sitting here praying in the spirit when that's known that that's not wrong for me to sit there and pray in the spirit. No, it would be wrong if I got up here with the microphone and just went on for an hour in tongues, giving a word to everybody and nobody interpreted that that would be unbiblical because you wouldn't, it wouldn't help anybody. Do you get what I'm saying here tonight? There's praying in the spirit, and then there's delivering a public message in tongues. There's a difference. All right, so look at verses 22 through 25. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Again, this is talking about the public delivery of a message of tongues. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you're all all crazy. 
hey, they already think we're crazy. But this will make it a whole lot worse, right? Like, man, they're, they're crazier than we thought they were. Let's get out of here. But if you, all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they'll be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed. They will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring what? God is truly here among you. So think about that. Sometimes people come in, and I, I, I get this a lot. We get this a lot. Someone comes in, and they're like, man, how did you know everything that I'm going through right now? Did someone tell you? Or better yet, was my wife talking to you again? Because I swear she was. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Uh, we, we just preach the word. And if it hits close to home, it's not because someone ratted you out. That's the Holy Spirit knew what you needed to hear. And yeah, a lot of times they're like, man, who told you that I was dealing with that this week? Because I'm going to be mad if someone told you. No one told us. We're just reading the Bible, man. And hey, that's the Holy Spirit getting a hold of you. You better listen. But newsflash, I, and you may, I, I'm, I don't write any sermon based on one person in this church. I got better things to do. All right? If I need to tell you something, I'll tell it to you. But I'm not going to write a whole sermon to preach to hundreds of people when it's just one person needed to hear it. We're going to write and preach what the Bible and the Holy Spirit tells us to preach. And if it hits close to home and smacks you around a little bit, don't get mad at me. We're just doing what the Bible said to do, and we're just doing what the Holy Spirit said to do. But don't ever think that, man, they're picking on me again. They're just writing sermons about me. Hey, don't flatter yourself that much, okay? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we got a lot of people to reach, not just you. All right. We having a good time tonight? Yeah. Woo! All right. Amen. Uh, verse 27. Let's go down to verse 27. We still got a few minutes to cover here. Verse 27. So when we're talking about speak. Oh, actually, no, wait, hold on. Story time. Got to tell a quick story. Good story. All right. So it said here that tongues uh, is uh, is used as a sign to unbelievers. Well, Pastor Willie George out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, told a story that I've never forgot. And he told about a time that some of the ladies uh, at the church there in Tulsa, when it was smaller, they were having a, a they got together and they were having a, you know, a women's meeting, prayer time and all this stuff. And so they got to going in tongues and just having a good old time. They had the windows of the church open. There was a man walking down the street, a Russian immigrant. He's walking down the street and he hears these people and he hasn't heard anybody speak Russian in, in months. And he hears people in Russian yelling, hey, come in here. We got to tell you something. And it's all in Russian. He's like, what is this place? So he goes in there and he's like, hi, uh, what do you guys want to tell me? They're like, what are you talking about? Well, we didn't want to tell you. And he's like, no, no, I heard you guys. I'm, you know, I'm from Russia. And, and, and which one of you was speaking the Russian? Anyway, they're, it dawned on them. Oh, wait a minute, dude, we were speaking in tongues, but it was Russian. And so they're like, we got to tell you something, brother. They told him about Jesus, got the man born again. That was a sign right there to the unbeliever. Amen. All right, verse 27, verse 27, he says, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time. Again, this is talking about giving a public message and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and then speak in tongues to God privately. So he's not saying no more speaking in tongues for you. Naughty, naughty, naughty. No, he's like, hey, if there's nobody in there that flows in that gift of interpretation, you can speak in tongues, just do it to God privately, all right? But again, the underlying theme here is we're talking about public settings here. And we're talking about uh, the whole church being blessed and edified, all right? 
So let's go here to verses 32 through 33. I'm running out of time, so I've got to kind of get to where I'm getting because we're getting ready to discuss women being silent in the church, and that's going to be fun, all right? So uh, I'm not joking. We're getting ready to talk about that. But anyway, verse 32, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit, and they can take turns. So if everybody's just all talking at once like my kids do, all right, I've got four kids. They all talk a lot, and they all talk at once. And I don't expect to come to church and hear all the adults doing that. I'm, this is where I get a break from sounds like that. So here we are. So, you know, we're, but, but when everyone's talking at once and, 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 and all this, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say, well, I can't help it. God gave me a word, so I can't help it. I just had to let it out. No. Someone who prophesies, they're still in control of their spirit. You didn't just lose control. You still have control of your spirit and what? And they can take turns. Why? Why Why is that? Verse 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. So you can't all speak and prophesy at once. You can control it and take turns. And I believe that verse 33 is a great summary of all that we just read. If it's chaotic and confusing, then it's not biblical and it's not of God. Because God is a God of peace and order. And we can have some wild times. We can have some fun times. But it's not going to be pure chaos and pandemonium because God is a God of order. And, uh, and uh, King James says, decently and in order. All right? So let's get here to verses 34 through 35 because this is some fun stuff that I just, you know, would love to talk about in front of a um, majority women crowd. All right? Here we go. So verse 34. Uh, women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have questions, they should ask their husbands at home. For it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. What in the world did we just read? All right. So what we're getting here is, uh, and I mean, this can be confusing, especially at a church that has women preach at it. And I mean, hey, I've had, I've, you know, some people don't like that, that, you know, we have women preach, we have women sing, we have women pray and prophesy and all this stuff at this church. And so, yeah, and it's a good thing, right? So studying this out, this is kind of like we read in chapter 11 where it says women cannot come to church unless they're wearing a head covering. And if a man wears a hat in church, that's a disgrace to him. And if a woman has short hair, she ought to be ashamed of herself. And if a man has long hair, he ought to be ashamed. We read all that in chapter 11, if you remember that. And so, again, I don't like to use this uh, interpretation for a lot of things, uh, but there is a fact of the matter in some of these verses here. And this is not my go-to interpretation, but it's flat out what it is. Uh, because if women weren't allowed at all to speak in church, they couldn't even come in and say, hello. Well, I mean, there, that's one interpretation. Well, that, you know, I don't think that's what he meant. And also uh, to come in and say that they can't even pray or sing, that would contradict him because in chapter 11, verse 5, he said that the women can prophesy in the church. He said they could even pray in the church, chapter 11, verse 5. So is there a contradiction here or is there something a little bit we got to dig beneath the surface to understand? So again, as much as I don't like to use this reasoning, we are going to have to look at what the local uh, culture and custom was of the day. 
Now, I don't like to just look at any Bible verse and use the interpretation of, yeah, it says that, but that was just their custom. Because then you could say that to anything and be like, yeah, I know it says not to steal, but that was just, you know, something that they did back then. So I can do it now because I'm, I'm under grace and I'm free. No, no, no. I, but there is a truth to this that in this time period, all right, it is documented. We have documentation that, and, and in fact, it's even true to this day in the Middle East, that men and women are segregated in a lot of public spaces. And even in the churches of the day, the husbands and wives did not even sit together in church. All the women sat on one side of the room. All the men sat on the other side of the room. And I know some of you soldiers from the Middle East, maybe you could, you know, verify some of this even to this day. That uh, over there, even in, in church settings, I know Brother Julius has told me about even in India, a lot of the churches, all the men on one side, all the women on the other. And it's very much a cultural thing. Well, what we had a problem with, and you can see this here in verse 35, is uh, that a lot of times, and especially it's also known that a lot of the women were not able to read. Not, not everyone, but a lot of them weren't. And so we had here... Uh, what I from what I've read and seen from a lot of theologians and others that have studied this out and and studied the culture and the other writings of the day is you'd have in a church service you may have husbands sitting way over here wife's over here she doesn't understand something she belts out you know like hey Doug what's he talking about can you explain that to me I'm not picking on you Alexis I'm just saying you know not that she would do that. <laughs> But, but, well, you know, what we've got here is, hey, what, can you read that again? I didn't, I didn't get what he said. And you've got women, all right, yelling from one side of the room to the other, hey. And so what did he say here? If they have questions, they should ask their husbands at home. It's improper for them to speak up in church meetings. And, and I believe this, that, that there was uh, a, and, 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 and then the next few verses further explain why I believe this, but he keeps saying, he goes straight from everything must be done decently and in order. And then he goes into, and you know, while we're at it, uh, it's improper for the ladies to be, you know, talking in church. You get what I'm saying? Do you follow me on this? And so, again, I don't believe that women cannot be used in church, cannot get up and preach, because we've got several New Testament instances of women prophesying, preaching, being used in public ministry. And so this would contradict that. So I believe they can be used. But at the same time, if you've got some question, it's improper for any of us to be yelling out in church, hey, what are you talking about over there? No, we need to, you know, if you got questions, in fact, someone was asking me the other day, I don't remember who it was, but they're like, what would you do if someone just raised their hand with a question during a sermon? I, I wouldn't answer them. <laughs> In the youth group, when I go over there, they're raising their hands the whole time, and Pastor Katie will stop and answer every single question. And I'm like, guys, you got to wait. I'm not used to it. i, I got to finish what I'm saying, and then I'll take questions. But, but yeah, no, if you raise your hand with a question, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to answer it in the middle of church, okay? <laughs> And so it says there, wait till you get home, and then uh, then he can answer it for you. So I believe that that's what that's talking about. <laughs> Hands go. I, I wish that happened when I gave an altar call, all right? <laughs> Come on. Where are you then? 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's just finish up. This is getting a little bit weird. All right. Last couple of verses before anything else happens in here. All right. Uh, decently and in order. That was not orderly. Look at verse 39. Verse 39. So he wraps up. He summarizes the whole chapter right here. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Uh-oh, look at this phrase. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. So if you tell me, no, 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 no. Don't speak in tongues. It's not for today. It's not blah, 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 blah. Well, the scripture straight up says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. It's allowed. And Jesus didn't change and the Holy Spirit didn't change. But, verse 40, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So what's Paul getting at? They were having some wild times. They had good hearts for Jesus, even though they fought with each other. He's like, love comes first, and then after that, you can flow in the Spirit, but it needs to be decently and in order, and it needs to bless everybody, not just draw attention to you and make you feel good. And so, all these things that we've studied, it's very much for today. We very much believe in it. We very much desire the gifts and the flowing of the Holy Spirit. We want to do it in a biblical and holy way. Amen. Did you get anything tonight? All right, let's stand up. My goodness. Wow. That was a wild ride. That was touch and go there for a few minutes. Wow. Praise God. Yeah, when I decided we're going to study 1 Corinthians, I didn't realize all the fun stuff we're, <laughs> we're going to get into. But man, we have tackled some ground. All right. Well, I need my prayer team to come up with me. Josh is going to close us out in worship tonight. But if you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you and pray for you tonight. And if not, why don't you just take a few minutes to worship God as we wind things down tonight. Amen. But let's go ahead and give you just a few minutes here. And I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I just want to be where you are I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love Holy, holy Jesus.
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. And Jesus, there is nothing like your love. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead close out tonight. Praise God. Hope we all had a good time and learned anything. Any questions? See Josh. He's got all the answers. He's got, he said he would love to stay here all night and answer your questions. I'll be at home watching Little House on the Prairie by nine. All right. So if you need me, don't call. All right. So very good. I want to remind you that uh, this Sunday is the big day. Okay. So grab some invites. We got some back there. Invite somebody. Don't miss out on this opportunity to get people into the kingdom of God. And I, I'm asking any of you that want to put it on, uh, like, your uh, Facebook or the, the public, local Facebook pages or whatever. Go ahead and do that. Let's just let people know the best we can. You can take an invite from back there, take a picture of it or whatever. If you want the file, I'm sure we can email it to you, but just whatever. All right. And uh, Saturday, we're going to be setting up from 9 to noon. Oh, so we need as many people that can help out with that. That would be awesome, all right? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Then we will speak some words of faith over Barstow. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the Word tonight. And God, we did. We looked at a lot of different things and, and maybe some things that we've never seen before or things that are maybe confusing to some. But we thank you that your Word is truth and we can study it and learn more about you and we can grow in our faith because of it. And so I pray, Lord, tonight that as, as the Word was taught, faith came into our hearts and we're growing and growing and growing by the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you would use us the rest of this week to bring people to you. And Lord, we already claim victory for this big Easter service on Sunday. We say there's going to be salvations. There's going to be healings. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be restoration of families and marriages. It's going to be a dynamic day, Lord, where you do what you want to do. And it's going to be awesome. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. All right. Let's close out with some words of faith tonight. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you this weekend.